to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome back, my liberty-loving friends and fans. And hey, I'll even welcome in the socialists, the fascists, the crony capitalists, the paid NSA trolls. If you're listening to this show, I'm just happy to have you here, regardless of what beliefs you came in with, regardless of what government agency might be paying you to come and listen to my podcast and come troll on our social media. I welcome you all here, because we're here to advance ideas, the ideas of liberty. Here, here. Now, it's 2014, and that means there are a whole bunch of elections taking place. The midterm elections! There are many races across the country that have some candidates identifying themselves with the cause of liberty. And I plan to use this forum to have a few of them on to express their views. Because regardless of what you think about the effectiveness of electoral politics, it cannot be denied that the political realm and the political season, when people are paying much closer attention to these conversations... That politics, if nothing else, can provide a platform to reach out to people to advance the ideas of liberty. As is our mission on this show and over at our website, lionsofliberty.com. You know I gotta get my plugs in. Now, last week we had a great guy on the show by the name of Dr. Murray Sabrin, who's running for Senate as a Republican in the state of New Jersey. And I think Dr. Sabrin is an Excellent spokesman for free markets and the ideas of liberty. And it was just announced last week, not that I'm drawing any connection to Dr. Sabrin's appearance on the show, but it was just announced last week, Murray Sabrin is actually leading the field of his Republican opponents in fundraising. So he has a real chance to win that primary and take on Cory Booker, a race that would surely draw national attention. So please do go check out last week's show with Murray Sabrin and check out his website, murraysabrin2014.com. And now today, I've got another guy on the show who's also running for Senate, this time in the state of Georgia. He's a guy that many of you may be familiar with. He has become well-known in the libertarian community for his highly entertaining and informative YouTube videos where he goes by the moniker of T-Mot, the Minister of Truth. And much to the delight of many of his fans, he is now also a Republican candidate for the United States Senate in the state of Georgia. Mr. Derek Grayson, it is my pleasure to welcome you in to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here, Derek. And, you know, you're a politician now. You're not just team on anymore. So, you know, I know you're always out there having to introduce yourself to a lot of people. Give them the whole elevator speech. So why don't you give us kind of the, the Derek Grayson story, the Derek Grayson elevator speech. How did you get to where you are today? How did you become such a vocal and passionate advocate for the ideas of liberty? Uh, well... About eight years ago, I started out making, I guess you could call them public service announcements for the black community. A lot of social issues taking place in the black community. And over time, of course, one can't talk about those issues without addressing the root cause. And from my point of view, it stems in government social engineering, uh, their welfare program, the welfare state, if you will. And so that naturally just segue into speaking on some of the political issues. I had been a conservative, and when I started looking closer at what was taking place at the end of George Bush's second term, 
I didn't recognize who the conservative party was anymore. And so I became despondent myself. And a friend of mine told me about Ron Paul because I was about to just um, give up. And I was even thinking of moving to Canada. But uh, he told me about Ron Paul, and I began to study Ron Paul. And I remembered all the things that I had learned in school about the Constitution and how important the Constitution was. And when I looked at the constitutional principles and the things that were actually taking place in government in terms of policies and, and, and whatnot, I could see Ron Paul was, was, was the cure for America in terms of somebody being a mouthpiece and a spokesman for the Constitution and for liberty and freedom for all. And once I was able to reconcile all of the naysayers about Ron Paul being a racist, I saw the brilliance in what Ron Paul was talking about, and that is if we follow the Constitution 100% of the time and 100% of the Constitution, nobody would need special privileges such as civil rights uh, and voting rights and things of that nature. And who made it the way that it is, uh, being disproportionate? That's government. And that reminded me of a quote that Martin Luther King had once said, he was attacked by a white teenager and the policeman asked him if he wanted the guy arrested so he could press charges. And Martin Luther King said, I'm not interested in pressing charges against him. I'm interested in the system that has made him the way that he is. And so that got me into the Liberty movement. And I campaigned for Ron Paul. Boy, did I campaign for Ron Paul. And then I had my second epiphany. And that was the collusion between the Royals as I refer to them, in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. The Republican Party was ignoring Ron Paul. All the people that I had grown and listened to for years, Rush Limbaugh, Neil Bortz, Sean Hannity, these guys, Bill O'Reilly, guys that I admired, Glenn Beck. And when I saw that they were barely giving Ron Paul a mention, I realized that I came to realize that Bush was no better than those on the left, the left media was just like the media on the right. They pick and choose who they want to put forth to the people. And Mitt Romney was nothing more than another Obama. He would have given us his own version of health care. And that would have been unconstitutional. So that epiphany led me to realize that the media, corporate-backed media, cannot be trusted. And I, I developed my little spiel about the circle of loot, but I'll talk about that later. So with all of that, seeing how Ron Paul was treated, it was the event at the RNC, how they stole his ability to be nominated from the floor by changing the rules before the, the vote at the RNC, which would have allowed him to be nominated. Uh, I think they changed the plurality of states from five to eight, which knocked Ron Paul out of the running. Yeah, and that's and, the uh, Republican yeah. National Convention you're referring to. I believe they, yeah. I guess they figured out that Ron Paul was going to actually get, I think, seven states nominating. So, so just coincidentally, I guess they somehow came up with a magic number of eight. You know, one more than they knew he would have to prevent him from being yep. even nominated to the floor. There you go. And um, I said that from the beginning I would write Ron Paul in. I would never, ever vote for the lesser of two evils again. I didn't. I wrote Ron Paul in. And after that, uh, I got tired of people saying, T-Mot Ron, T-Mot Ron. 
God spoke to me and said, you can't ask other people to do what you aren't willing to do yourself because nobody else is standing up. It's time you stood up. So that's why I'm running. Uh, I am going to fight this corrupt system, uh, even if it kills me. And you mentioned, you know, was the media's reaction to Ron Paul kind of maybe one of your your biggest awakening moment? Because, I mean, to me, it seems so obvious that the guys, like you mentioned, like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Neil Bortz, these guys, if they believed everything they've been saying for all these years, Ron Paul should be their guy, bar none, no question about it. No one was for small, less government. No one was more for the Constitution, what, what these guys paid lip service to for so long. And yet, when he finally comes along... And he's just out there. They not only do they, I mean, I wouldn't even say they criticize him because most of the time they just acted like he didn't exist. They wouldn't even mention his name. And, you know, that that to me, I, I was already getting a little suspicious of the media, I think, at that time. But that to me was just the real slam dunk. Like something is something is wrong here when they're just acting like this guy doesn't exist. You know, they would show the polls. From, and they would show, you know, first place this guy, and then they would skip to third place, and, and there would just be nobody in second. So what happened to that guy in second place? Well, if they if they left out a name, it was usually Ron Paul. So, you know, and in some way, it's, 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 I find it fascinating that things like that, the way that manip- the media manipulates things, you know, it certainly does hide the truth from people, but at the same time, when people kind of get in tune with it, as you did, it actually serves to wake people up to the corruption of this system, as you explained there. There you go. There you go. And it was a mystery to me at first, but, I, you know, the circle of loot, the guys, those guys we just mentioned, they carry water. They get big, fat paychecks. Their families are secure. Their futures are secure. They don't deal with issues like worrying about the price of gasoline putting food on the table for their families. They carry the water and they present the illusion that it's left versus right when it's not. It's them versus America. And my main message to the American people, because they always say to me, well, Derek, how are you as one person going to fight Washington, D.C.? I said, I'm not one person that's going to fight D.C. That's a battle I couldn't win. I've got 310 million Americans to fight with me. I need your help. I don't mind pushing water uphill, but you got to give me the bucket. And if I expose the corruption, I expect Americans to fire the bastards that are destroying this country. That's the deal. That's why I'll go, and they also have to send me. Well, before we move on to discuss your campaign a little bit, I want to just briefly touch on um, your Drive Time with Tmont videos once more. And, you know, that, that's how I first became aware of you I, during Ron Paul's last run. I, I just stumbled upon it. I think somebody posted one of them up in the Daily Paul, and I was just sucked right in because you just have so much fire and passion behind you. And, and that's really something that I think you can't really um, you can't really plan out. You can't sit down and, you know, f- do a math formula to figure out being passionate about something. You just are, and it, and it really does show through in, in your drive time with Tmot videos. So um, I'm curious, first of all, how did you come up with this idea, this concept of Tmot, the Minister of Truth? Where did that moniker come from? And when did you first realize that your videos were kind of reaching a larger audience more than you know, just kind of your local people in Georgia there and that they were really becoming viral within the libertarian community? Well, the way I came up with uh, the Minister of Truth, I am, of course, a licensed minister, and one of the things that I found very disturbing was how preachers in our modern-day churches have 
bastardized religion, basically turning Jesus Christ into a slot machine, enslaving people. Offering for a blessing is essentially what it has come down to, and that sickened me to no end. And I said, why isn't there anybody out here that is dedicated to ministering the truth to people, the true word of God? And the term minister simply means serve, to serve. And I rejected the title reverend even when I had church services at my own house. I didn't want people calling me, you know, reverend or pastor. I'm a servant. I'm here to serve you the true word of God without all of this other fluff that people add into it. And God ain't promising you nothing extra other than salvation. So that's how I came up with the term, the minister of truth, out of my involvement in the ministry. And of course, that took a natural segue into what's taking place in the black community. You have preachers more concerned with what they take up in the collection plate on Sunday. When you look all around, you've got churches on every corner, yet illegitimacy in the black community is greater than 70%. High school dropout rate is for black males is greater than 60%. You have teenage pregnancy that is, has gone from 13% prior to 19 65, again, to greater than 70%, uh, which is what it is today. Seven out of 10 women are unmarried and single mothers. Guys, the war on drugs manufactures inmates, black men, going to prison left and right. Uh, I mean, the, the, the numbers are just staggering, yet we have all of these churches. So something is wrong here. And I believe it's because they are not focused on the right thing. They don't tell people the truth. I had a preacher, a good friend of mine, tell me once, well, Derek, I can't talk to them about illegitimacy. If I talk to them about illegitimacy, the grandmama going to get mad, the mama going to get mad, and the grandbaby's feelings are going to be hurt, and then I'm going to lose them, and that go the money to help pay the church's light bill and rent every month. And that is exactly the mentality. So sounds just uh, like a politician, just uh, you know, worried about uh, offending their constituency as opposed to just telling the truth. Exactly, and that's why I call them pulpit and podium pimps. That's for the (laughs) preachers in the pulpit and the politicians at the podium. (laughs) And that's how this all got started. Yeah. And then when did you first figure out that, you know, other people were kind of catching on to your videos? Did you start getting, you know, more Facebook likes than normal? Or how did you start to realize that people in the libertarian community were really catching on to TMOT? Well, it was one video that I did about Ron Paul. When I started talking about Ron Paul, you know, of course, I had a, a black following in the black community already, but it was nothing like what it has grown to. And the reason it has grown to, to where it is is essentially because of one video. And that was, I think I called it, damn it, I ain't no racist. Or Ron Paul, damn it, leave my racist letters alone. I forget exactly what I called it, but uh, that video went viral. Um, I think probably 150,000 hits is what it um pushed up in a matter of, of, of weeks and you know the rest is history and I continue to 
support Ron Paul, of course. I didn't do it for views. It was just one of those things that happened. And, you know, I guess people just come to hear what it is that I'm saying about liberty and freedom. So I, I don't think it's so much about me. I think it's more about the message. And it is the message that carries throughout the community. And I think, if anything, I may just be a, a beacon of an individual that just will not quit. I will not stop. I will not lay down. Uh, I will not stop exposing and calling out the corruption where I see it, no matter who it makes look bad. And that goes for those within the Republican Party as well. And I, that's one of the things that sets aside my ma my message. I'm not picking a side except for the cause of the American people. Those in D.C. serve us, and they have forgotten that, and America has forgotten that, and that's why we're in the shape that we're in. So I'm going to awaken as many people as I can while I have breath in my body. I think that is the reason why people listen to my videos, for the message, and not so much as me. At least I'd like to think so. You know, I love that you, you say it's about the message and it's not about you because, you know, when I supported Ron Paul the first time, I remember a lot of people saying, oh, you know, what What do you have in common with this old old guy from Texas? You know, stuff like that. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe I personally don't have anything in common with him. Just like I might not have much in common with Derek Grayson on a, a personal, you know, individual basis. However, what's so great about the ideas of liberty is that you know, they are for everybody. They're, they're not for any one kind of person, any one kind of personality. They are for absolutely everyone. So, you know, it's important that we just recognize that the message is what's essential here. Not, you know, not Mark Claret, Lions of Liberty, not Derek Grayson, Tmot. Of course, we try to be vehicles for that message. And we try to get that message to as many people as possible. And, you know, there is certainly no bigger platform, especially around, you know, this time of year or, you know, in, in, during this time of the election cycle, midterm elections right now, where people are sort of more in tuned to politics. And that's why I'm glad we have someone like you who is not out there to necessarily, quote unquote, win votes or, you know, impress your constituency with fancy language or anything like that you're out there to keep doing what you were doing as tmot on your videos and that is to keep spreading the message of liberty and keep speaking the truth as you see it so um about your campaign then so what do you see as the underlying philosophy of your political campaign if you had to sum it up for somebody that you maybe just ran into on the street and you want to tell them i'm Derek grayson this is why you should listen to me i want to educate them and get them to understand that we should not be voting based on party line rhetoric. We should be voting based on the principles of the individuals that are running with the understanding that they are servants to the people, not their masters. And that is the message that I bring. I also understand it is critical to meet people where they are and discuss the things that are important to them, but limited to what the Constitution provides. It is not the role of government to provide us with health care. However, it is the role of government to see to it that there is a level playing field 
for everyone and that everyone is treated fairly in terms of having equal access. I want people to understand that you're better off if you can do for yourself as opposed to the government doing it for you. And then I utilize low-hanging fruit. And that's what I mean when I say I meet them where they are. Whose guns are they trying to take when it deals with Second Amendment gun control legislation they're always trying to put forth? Who owns most of the guns in America legally? Middle-class white America. Why do they want to take those guns? They want to take those guns so that you can't meet force with force. So that's low-hanging fruit. Uh, crooks don't care about gun control. When I talk to black folk, uh, like in Chicago or Atlanta or Decatur, I meet them where they are. I say, look, you got all this black leadership, black mayors, black sheriffs, black police chiefs, uh, judges, et cetera, et cetera, all these churches with these black uh, preachers, these mega churches, yet our schools are the worst in the nation, those in the urban areas. Black-on-black -black crime has not gotten better. Unemployment has always been horrendous. Why do you think that is? So when you get people to see who the real enemy is, not the other party, people tend to wake up and want to start doing things differently. However, my greatest challenge in this campaign is being able to reach enough people to make an impact. Now, we are having an impact that we change the room everywhere we go. The question is, and what we would like, is to be able to make enough of an impact to where we can make it into the runoff this election. But even if we don't, the number of people that we have awakened will be there for us because we will continue the fight even past this election if we don't make it into the runoffs. We are not done by a long shot. And I'll tell you one other thing. Just like I wrote Ron Paul in, everybody on stage is already saying, well, if I don't get the Republican nomination, I'm going to back whoever wins the nomination. I am not going to back anybody that does not vow to obey 100% of the Constitution 100% of the time. And not one of my opponents, not one of the six, has uttered those words out of six debates. So have you actually presented that specific question to your fellow candidates at the debate regarding, you know, how closely they are willing to follow the Constitution? I'm going to do that in the seventh debate. All right. They all have an opportunity. But if they do not acknowledge to the people that that's what they, they'll do, they will not have my support because I will, I will never vote for anyone that will go and compromise my liberties and my freedoms away. And the three incumbents that I'm running against, I won't support them at all. They've already violated my constitutional principles, all of America's constitutional principles, because they voted for legislation that allows the government to spy on us, and they didn't tell us about it. FISPA, FISA, indefinite detention, some of them the Patriot Act, and things of that nature. That is, that's inexcusable for me. Some of those guys you've been running against, have they were already in Congress then and have already kind of, I guess, proven their allegiance, um, and it's not That's towards the people. That's correct. Three of the guys, Congressman Gingrey, Brown, and Kingston. 
Uh, Mr. Grayson, can you describe your involvement a little bit in um, the Ron Paul campaign and with the caucuses in Georgia? I believe you were very active there with the last campaign, at least. Can you describe a little bit? What did you witness there? Did you see any kind of shenanigans trying to kind of hold down the Ron Paul folks? You know, what did you learn from that experience, just seeing the inside of the kind of establishment political process firsthand? I'm in the 4th Precinct, DeKalb County, and I was at a county meeting for South DeKalb. And the chair at that time stood up and referred to the Ron Paul people as, you people think you have blah, 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 blah. I made a video about it. Uh, He was upset because we were able to get some people elected as delegates to the convention. And he was upset about that. And he read a letter saying, instead of you coming here and making allies and compromising all you've done is basically made enemies and you people and to me that was offensive you know you haven't done a good thing and basically there's no point in you being proud of yourselves and when he was done uh, i stood up and took the floor and i told him i said your remarks about you people reminds me of something out of the 50s and 60s, where white folk would say to black folk, you people. I said, we are American citizens, and we exercise our rights as American citizens following your rules to elect the people that we want to represent us at the state convention. And you don't like it, even going as far as saying these people have been here working and it was their turn their turn that sounds like privilege to me and i don't believe in that i want the person that will best represent the will of the people and privilege doesn't cut it for me and so those are the types of things that i witnessed we've already talked about what happened at the rnc so there was a lot of 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 bitterness Here you have people fighting for the guy that they believe in, and we were being viewed as the enemy. We're a member of the Republican Party as well. And the problem was Ron Paul does not carry water. He supports the Constitution. And that is what they don't want. And this is the singular, most poignant point that I make or have made in the six debates thus far. People, if we don't return to the Constitution, we will lose this country. Now, Mr. Grayson, uh, when I announced to uh, some of my friends over the Daily Paul that I was going to have you on the show, I solicited some questions from some people there. I know you hang out there a bit. So uh, if you don't mind, I want to just get in a few questions from a few readers over at the Daily Paul. Sure. Um, The first one I've got here is from user Liberty For Us. And he asks a question that I think I might know the answer to, but I'd still like to ask you of it. You know, he says, what are the chances that you get an endorsement from the Georgia GOP? (laughs) I came out a long time ago saying that I don't care about endorsement. The only endorsement that I'm interested in is that of the people that vote for me because they are the ones that I serve, not the Georgia GOP. 
Now, if by chance I make it into the runoff and I win the runoff, the Georgia GOP will have no choice unless, of course, they really want to go down the tubes because of their lack of inclusion. They'll have no other choice but to back and support me, whether they like it or not. I've got another question here. This is from Mike and Rachel in Seattle, and they'd like to know, what is your stance on industrial hemp, a crop that has begun to be legalized in several states, though I believe it's still generally banned at the federal level. What is your position on hemp? And furthermore, they just kind of want to get your ideas on, you know, energy in general in the United States. How can we end our dependence on these big oil companies? And and I guess that kind of relates back to the hemp question, but how do you see that? Personally speaking, I feel that a person should be allowed to put in their bodies whatever they want. And that's just speaking from a drug use point of view. I, li- I like to get that out there so that people understand. I-, I believe in the autonomy of the individual as long as his action does not impede on the liberties and freedoms of other individuals. And, and that's a bit different from other folks because if, if we recognize that some of these issues we have, we wouldn't have. As far as industrial hemp goes, we know why it's illegal because it would compete with those that are in the pulp wood or the the wood, the tree industry, so to speak. And that's why we got that. There are so many other uses for hemp. They just don't want that because anybody can can grow it. Anybody can can make it and, and do various things with it. I would fight to repeal all legislation at the federal level that prohibits industrial hemp, and I would also fight to eliminate legislation that criminalizes drug use. And I know I'm kind of mixing in the drug use with the hemp, but since I'm well, that's talking fine. about it's, it's all way. very tied together, especially because kind yeah. of when they, when they talk about hemp, they try to lump it in with drug use. That's how they try to justify keeping it illegal. They tie it into you know marijuana use, but really the crop part of of that plant is completely separate. It can't even be grown with the uh, the marijuana part. So it's a it's a false association anyway. But that is the justification. So it certainly ties in. Right. So that's why I like to, to make that clear. So if, if we were to get rid of the, the criminalization of drug use, so to speak, then the only other thing would be left would be why various industries doesn't want uh, industrial hemp to be available to the marketplace in the, to begin with. And that's something that needs to change. Uh, and I would fight to bring that change about and expose the truth. But again, the only reason that hasn't come about thus far is because the people in D.C. don't want it that way because they make money off of the way that it is. People get, as we say in the black community, they get broke off at a big shot to leave things as they are. But I'm not looking to get broke off. I want to go and return liberties and freedoms to the American people, which is our birthright our inheritance as far as energy goes. We've known for a long time that there are some people out there that have come up with all types of inventions and found ingenious ways to get us off of oil, especially foreign oil. 
but they don't want it that way. They like it the way that it is. Oil companies make billions of dollars by keeping us tied to foreign oil. That also needs to end. Now, you know, you and I, we can say all this stuff needs to end and we recognize the problem. That's really a no-brainer for most folks. The $64,000 question is, well, Derek, how on earth are you going to make that happen? Well, sir, there is only one way to bring about the change that I'm speaking of. The truth has to be exposed about the corruption. That's the only way. That's why Martin Luther King was killed. Martin Luther King was messing with the pocketbook. When he showed black people how to get together and march and boycott and not ride the bus and not pick up the trash, that was something that they did not want to see. They didn't care anything about Martin Luther King being upset about Jim Crow. They cared more about Martin Luther King being able to affect and impact their industry. Same thing with John F. Kennedy. So we have people that have found ways to combat these atrocities against the American people at the point of losing their own lives. But that is how deep that this run. But it's, it's going to take people that are willing to go to Washington and literally put it all on the line to expose the corruption that is taking place because the power has to be put back into the people's hands. And the only way to do that is to expose those that are in the way. One of the first things I plan to do is introduce legislation to bring about real tax reform, and that is to get rid of the 16th Amendment, implement the fair tax. The legislation has already been written. I plan to take it up there, present it, get it in committee, and anybody that stalls it in committee, I will expose them. Why? So that the American people can rally and fire and remove and replace whoever was standing in the way. Once it comes out of committee, I want to expose everyone that votes against it because if you ask most Americans, they want tax reform. But it is the big corporations that know how to circumvent our tax laws with all of the many loopholes that are there. It is the industries that profit off of us being taxed to death, and it is government that keeps us in bondage through taxation under the guise that well, we have to tax you because of the deficit. I don't care how much they tax us, it ain't enough to pay off the $17 trillion worth of debt because they print money faster than what they collect from us in taxes. That's just an illusion that they put forth to the American people. Taxing us is not about a deficit, it's not about a debt, it's not about providing services to others. Taxing us is about keeping us enslaved to the system. So um, I know I went all over the place, but <laughs> that's I just had to get that in there. Oh, well, that's more than fine, Derek. And that's one thing that I absolutely love about you and the way you do everything is no matter what question I ask you, it all comes down to the same thing where you are doing this, you are pushing this campaign and you are out there speaking because you want to expose this system and expose this massive corruption and any single issue we talk about does come back to that because that's why every all of these laws are in place due to this system and it's that system it's this overriding system of coercion basically essentially a government that 
like you you said there, I don't want to compare it to what we know of as normal slavery, but it's a form of slavery when you are told that, you know, a part of your income does not belong to you. And the people that decide the amount of that income that does not belong to you are not listening to you and don't care to listen to you because they listen to certain corporate interests. And those are the interests that are going to drive those policies, not the everyday man on the street and certainly not the actual constituencies that these politicians, most of them anyway, are there to represent. And, you know, that's why I'm absolutely thrilled to have you out there doing what you're doing, because if anybody can listen to you for five minutes and not think that you are passionate and principled and truthful, then I don't know what they're listening to, Derek. So before I let you go, can you let me know or just let everybody out there know how can they get connected to your campaign? How can they get involved? And, you know, let us know about any important you know, milestones with the campaign coming up. I know you have another debate soon. So just give everybody all the information they need about the Derek Grayson campaign. Okay. We we have the seventh and final debate. It will be May 10th in Columbus, Georgia. I would like for everybody to go and listen. It's funny. Our campaign, Team Grayson, we provide coverage of the full debate whereas the GOP has not even bothered, nor has the corporate-backed media. Why? Because they don't want the people to hear what it is that Team Grayson is saying. Wait, are you saying they that the, the GOP does not broadcast the debate, but you guys are? Is that what you're, what you're saying? That's exactly what I just said. Wow. When we had the second debate, I clearly won the first debate. When we had the second debate, they made the mistake of doing a poll which showed that I won the debate decisively. That was the last time they asked that question. They haven't asked it since then. Uh, and if we record the debates, they are on my YouTube channel, T-M-O-T-O-F-G-A. You can go there and listen to, and I even make it easy for people. I've got a guy by the name of Ted Metz who takes the time to just record my responses on top of the entire debate so that you can hear what the other people said, but you can listen to just my responses to the questions. So we make it easy for people to go and get it in small doses as opposed to having to sit down for two hours. These are the things and the lengths that we go through to make sure that people are informed. I constantly post and interact with potential voters and supporters on my personal Facebook page, which is just Minister Derek E. Grayson, you can also connect with us on Grayson Percent on Facebook, as well as our Twitter account. I mean, all you got to do is just Google Derek Grayson, and you'll find links to a plethora of information that we have put out there. Our website is Grayson2014.com. There you will find articles on our plan to bring jobs back to America, not so that I can go to, to Washington, D.C. and create jobs because the government doesn't create jobs, but how getting government out of the way so that businesses that have offshore manufacturing and jobs will be motivated to bring those jobs back to our shores. It's not that there isn't work. It's just that it's not here on our shores anymore. Um, illegal immigration. Uh, I talk about Second Amendment. So I've got a ton of documents that I've taken the time to written, and we put it out there on our website. And lastly, what I would like for people to do, this is our final push. We're in the last five weeks of our campaign. We have our final money bomb going. 
I'd like to get everybody, even if you aren't in the state of Georgia, to make one last donation to the campaign of $20.14. If you can give more, fine. But if you can, can find it in your heart to contribute $20.14 to our campaign as we do this final drive and, and, and make it our best, because the goal is for us to get into the runoff, this campaign would be most appreciative and look at it as an investment in your liberty and freedom. Because even though I'm not promising you nothing extra, I am promising you 100% of the Constitution 100% of the time. Derek Grayson, whether you live in Georgia or not, if you're a fan of liberty, if you're a fan of truth and honesty, I encourage you to check out Derek Grayson. And hey, go to YouTube and check out his videos as Team Out too, because they sure are great. Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I wish you the absolute best of luck with your campaign. Thank you very much, sir. All right, great. Take care. You You as well. Take care. Do you want your kids to meet the champion of the Constitution? What if there was an illustrated book that introduced libertarianism to youth through the story of Ron Paul's amazing life? What if this biography breaks down complex concepts like Austrian economic theory, the dangers of the Federal Reserve, blowback, and non-interventionist foreign policy? What if I told you this book is real and available? What if I told you that school libraries accept donations? What if you donate a copy to your local school library and give hundreds of youth the opportunity to meet Ron Paul? What if you don't? Who will? The book is Meet Ron Paul. And you can get your copy today at lionsofliberty.com slash meetronpaul. As Ron Paul has said, there can be no revolution without a revolution in education. Meet Ron Paul and keep the liberty movement moving. Agree to disagree. Yeah, it's a radio show we have on thenewamericanmedia.com every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the show. What do we talk about? Politics, religion, and spirituality. Basically anything you're not supposed to talk about in a bar. (laughs) You're not supposed to have these conversations inside of a bar, but we have them every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific on thenewamericanmedia.com. Join the show, offer your opinion, and let's agree to disagree, but let's have a good conversation. Hey guys, Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. Every Monday we have our longest running feature, Mondays with Murray, named after the great libertarian Murray Rothbard, where we'll examine an article or an excerpt from his works and help convey his view along with our little spin as well. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LionsOfLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, guys, we are back, and what a breath of fresh air it is to speak 
to a politician. I don't even want to really call him a politician. I feel like that might might be a little insulting to him, but I suppose he is running for political office, so he's technically a politician, but he sure doesn't sound or speak like one. And, you know, it's just refreshing to hear from Derek Grayson, from a guy running for political office who is clearly not doing it with any sort of, you know, hidden corporate agenda. He has no special sponsors. He has nobody kind of giving him bribes to try to pass certain legislation. He's not currying favor with anyone to try to gain certain endorsements. You heard him. He doesn't even care about endorsements. He is out there for one reason only, and that is to spread the truth as he sees it. Look, I don't agree with everything that comes out of Derek Grayson's mouth. I, you know, I know he mentioned the fair tax in there. It's really not something I'm interested in. I, I think a lot of people propose it out of a genuineness, out of, you know, out of an alternative to the income tax, which I think is quite possibly the worst form of tax possible. But whether it's a fair tax, a flat tax, you know, the point is, I don't want the government involuntarily taking money from anybody. You know, if we are going to have government, it needs to be based purely on voluntary contract, on consent. That's the kind of government we need. And at the same time, he relies on the Constitution a lot. And I've written in the past, you know, most recently, and I'll, I'll link to this article with the podcast, but, you know, I think a lot of libertarians often do lean on the Constitution a little too much. No, and I think we clearly would be better off if we actually had a government that kept itself so small as to only do things authorized in the Constitution. Don't get me wrong. We wouldn't have all of these undeclared wars. We wouldn't have a war on drugs. We wouldn't have the federal government trying to tell states what it can do. At the same time, the Constitution doesn't tell us everything. The Constitution doesn't tell us about principles. It doesn't tell us about, you know, natural rights. But speaking to Mr. Grayson, I can tell... That he is a man of principle. <laughs> he is a man who seems to generally believe in natural rights. Even, you know, we didn't talk about it in those terms, but you heard him say about, you know, how we all need an even playing field under the law. That doesn't mean the government redistributes to create that playing field. That's why we have so many of the problems we have now. You know, as Mr. Grayson he spoke about the black community, how there is such terrible, you know, single mother families and, you know, so many kids without fathers. Well, why is that? That's because of government. That is because, you know, during Lyndon Johnson's Great Society experiment, he would subsidize single mothers. He would incentivize people to have children out of wedlock. And I'm not saying that that you can't have children out of wedlock, but there is no doubt that there is social engineering that goes on, whether intended or not, through government redistribution, through government policies. Now, I'm a little extreme. I might want a government smaller than the Constitution. But it's not the size and scope of government that matters as much as the principles behind it. Does your government respect individual rights? I can tell you right now, if we had 100 senators like Derek Grayson, I'm pretty sure we'd have a government that respected individual rights a heck of a lot more than it does now. Because right now we have a government that doesn't respect much other than... The whims of whatever crony corporations are running the show. Because we currently have a government that can more closely resemble fascism, crony capitalism, subjects we've talked about in this podcast before. And to advance liberty, to really make a difference, we need people in politics that are going to be out there speaking the truth, being honest, and seeing things through the scope of individual rights. 
Now, this marks the second week in a row we've had a guy running for office on the show. Derek Grayson this week. We had Dr. Murray Sabrin last week. And next week, we're going to do a show not on a current politician. <laughs> we're going to do a show on, well, a dead politician. Guy has been dead for quite some time, and yet he is very revered by, I'd say, the vast majority of Americans. And that gentleman goes by the name of Abraham Lincoln. You know, he's a figure that in libertarian circles is often criticized quite a bit. And this often tends to bring some problems upon libertarians because, you know, Abraham Lincoln is so associated with freeing the slaves. So any criticism almost marks you as someone who must be for slavery, must be for, you know, the Confederacy. Well, we're going to delve into this a little more with my guest next week, Thomas DiLorenzo, who has written several books on Abraham Lincoln, because we're here to talk about the issues that aren't being talked about in the mainstream. On this show, it's what we strive to do every week at lionsofliberty.com, so we hope you'll keep coming back there. Guys, please connect with us on social media, facebook.com slash lionsofliberty, over at Twitter, at lionsofliberty. Keep coming back to us, and we'll keep putting shows out for you. Please keep joining us. Join us next week for Thomas DiLorenzo. And until then, live long and live free.